Hello, this is Alice, your host from Pod Parks, and I have some exciting news to share before we dive into this week's episode. Can you believe it? We are heading to the end of our very first season of Pod Parks, and what a journey it has been. All thanks to your incredible support and enthusiasm. But guess what? We are just getting started. As we gear up for our much anticipated second season, we want to make it even better, more engaging, and tailored to your needs. And for that, we need your invaluable input and feedback. We genuinely want to hear from you, our awesome community of park enthusiasts. Tell us what you loved most about the first season, what aspects we could improve, and anything that you feel needs a fresh perspective. Your opinion matters greatly to us. So don't hesitate to share your thoughts, suggestions, and ideas with us by visiting bit.ly slash podparks. So that is B-I-T dot L-Y slash podparks. Don't worry, I will also include the link in the episode notes for easy access. Thank you again for being an amazing part of our podparks family. Together, let's make season two a masterpiece. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Podparks, a podcast for the park-minded brought to you by World Urban Parks. In this podcast, we'll embark on a journey through the world of parks, from intimate community parks to sprawling urban national parks and everything in between. Join us as we explore the beauty and diversity of these urban oases. Meet the individuals and organizations working tirelessly to preserve and improve them. Our guide will be Alice Landin, Research Development Advisor for World Urban Parks. So come along as we rediscover the green spaces that make our cities livable. Welcome back to Pod Parks. I am so happy to be here. Today's episode is a great one because I had the chance to sit with Julia Brissy, manager of the new National Urban Parks program at Parks Canada. National Urban Parks are a new designation, a new program, and a new policy that Parks Canada is creating in collaboration with multiple partnerships with the aim to expand urban parks, to conserve nature, connect people with nature, and advance reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. This conversation was just so insightful, and I really hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. So without further ado, here is Julia's interview. Welcome to Pod Parks, a podcast by World Urban Parks. I am Alice Landon, and with me today is Julia Brzee, manager of the new National Urban Parks program at Parks Canada. Julia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. Julia, you are the manager of this very new initiative that aims to create a new network of national urban parks in Canada's cities. So to start us off, could you walk us through this new policy? What is a national urban park? What is the aim of this new park designation? Yes, certainly. So this is a new program for Parks Canada. So it was officially launched just in August of 2021. So we're really excited about this new program and and what it means in terms of um, Canada's role and and opportunities to to kind of work in the space of urban parks. So Canada currently 
um, has a number of protected areas. It has 47 national parks, it has marine protected areas, it has national historic sites, and it has one national urban park in the Toronto area. Toronto is one of our largest cities. And this program is now looking to expand on that one, that first national urban park to create um, national urban parks across many of Canada's larger cities. And what the program really is designed to do is, is kind of look at three core elements in terms of uh, what we are trying to achieve. So the first core element is to conserve nature. So national urban parks are opportunities in our urban centers to contribute to conserving nature. And this is part of Canada's commitment to conserve 25% of Canada's lands and waters by 2025 and aiming for 30% by 2030. So the opportunity here in terms of conserving nature is about being able to help address and mitigate some of the harms that we know uh, come from climate change. For example, uh, we know that in urban centers, there are, they can create heat islands. Our, our cities are very hot. And so by increasing the tree canopy, you're able to lower the temperature in cities by, by a few degrees. We know that flooding is a major risk that comes from climate change as well. And so there are opportunities to have better water management through urban parks and to help mitigate the risk of, risks of flooding. There are also opportunities in terms of um, helping address soil quality, uh, maintain um, our riverbanks and prevent erosion, those types of um, kind of gains in terms of the conserving and protecting nature, as well as the, the uh, biodiversity loss uh, that we know exists in, in urban centers where species um, are at risk in, in urban settings particularly. They, they aren't able to, to move around as much and, and so increasing the connectivity by creating green spaces that connect with one another uh, will help address um, hopefully some of those uh, key threats that we see from a, from a nature perspective. So that's a first uh, core element. A second core element to the program is um, reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. So in Canada, we have a commitment to uh, truth and reconciliation with Indigenous peoples, and we walk this journey together. Um, and it's articulated in our program uh, through both process in terms of how we work with our Indigenous partners, and also looking at, at concrete outcomes that can help advance um, opportunities and uh, leadership of our Indigenous partners in creating these parks. These, this is, for example, things like possible co-management of the parks, looking at uh, the leadership of Indigenous partners, also uh, how can parks facilitate and promote the exercise of their rights from a, yeah. uh, and harvesting um, medicines, for example as well as just generally uh, incorporating and weaving in indigenous knowledge and worldviews into our, our Western practices. The third core element of National Urban Park Program is uh, connecting Canadians with nature. So most Canadians live in urban centres, upwards of 74% of Canadians. Wow! And so this is about bringing nature to Canadians where they live. We have national parks. Canada is, is, is very uh, fortunate to have many natural areas and yeah. many large parks, um, but the vast majority of those are outside our major centres and require 
a car and uh, paid entrance in order to access them. Urban parks are envisioned to to be uh, places that bring nature to Canadians where they live and that should be spaces that are uh, inclusive and accessible for Canadians, for all Canadians. So that is the aim of the program. The three core elements are interconnected. They mutually will reinforce one another and in creating these large green areas that will achieve those objectives, that, that is uh, kind of in, in a nutshell what we're looking to do with the National Urban Park Program. I love it. Before we go forward, I just want to make it really, really clear for the people listening to this podcast. What would you say differentiates a national urban park from just a regular urban park? Why, why this new designation? So I think the national speaks to, I think, the, the, the scale okay. uh, in part and uh, because we are envisioning uh, large uh, spaces that will be largely um, collaborative um, yeah. in terms of the, the, the jurisdictions and the, and the rights holders that will be involved in it. Um, all parks are important. So yeah. smaller parks, um, kind of your traditional municipal parks. Your tra- your in Canada we have provinces, so the provincial parks are all uh, important and they they play a role as well. National urban parks are new because they they seek to bring together multiple levels of government to create larger spaces that may be connected, uh, that may be connecting, uh, for example, municipal lands with provincial lands, and looking to connect them and to also uh, bring in the indigenous rights holders and partners so that we can all collectively find a path forward in terms of governance for these larger areas. Um, And I think that's primarily what makes them them different. And what are some of the benefits of having this multi-stakeholder collaboration, but especially how can working, you mentioned one of the three core values is reconciliation, right, and indigenous leadership. How can working with indigenous people advance conservation in urban areas and advance the promotion of these other two elements? Absolutely, this is this is super important. So the multi-jurisdictional and multi in the partnership models, really, that we're exploring. I think if you want to go fast, you go alone. If yeah. you want to go far, you go together. Oh, I love that. And so the really the model here is we're trying to go far together. Yeah. And so the way that that we're doing that is by bringing all jurisdictions together and rights holders together to explore and to um, collaborate from the beginning. So this means at each site uh, we have uh, the various partners that have existing land and those that have rights to that land together at a a partner table so that we can start exploring what this park looks like from a a vision, boundaries, governance uh, perspective and so that we can collaborate from the beginning and, and look at this together. And so the Indigenous partners who who are key to this because we can learn so much from our Indigenous partners in, in how to do conservation by incorporating and weaving in Indigenous knowledge and worldviews uh, into our collaborative process, we, we, we gain and we learn so much. I'll give, I'll give an example. Please do. Um, so I recently uh, learned about an indigenous worldview that they call all my relations. It's um, Nsit Nogoma in Mi'kmaq, 
And it, this is a, a worldview that's coming through many indigenous uh, nations in Canada that have similar a similar concept. And it means that everything is interconnected. So the, um, the animals, the plants, the people are all interconnected. So if the land is healthy, then people will be healthy. And so, so this, this is a clear, I think, um, kind of way that we can see how that can benefit conservation because by applying that worldview to, to, to your behavior and yeah. to your practices and, and in fact to, to how you approach the park, uh, you're able to, to kind of bring that forward and really see those benefits for, for people, for nature and, and, and throughout. Absolutely. I think it is a very challenging work, I can imagine, to bring so many stakeholders in. But as you say, um, it is something that is going to leave a legacy that will transcend any of us, right? And that will promote all of these values that we have in a lot of Western culture and because of colonialism, because of capitalism, lost in, in a very sad way. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about these goals. So Canada, as you mentioned, has some of the world's most ambitious conservation plans. So you mentioned you have a promise to protect 25% of land by 2025, which is two, three years away, and 30% of land by 2030. So first of all, how does the National Urban Parks Program tie into this goal? And then how does this goal tie into global targets, especially as, as you said, we face the urgent need for climate action? So the National Urban Park Program, I think, can, can uh, contribute to the conservation goals in many ways. Um, some of those uh, things that we see, as I, as I mentioned, are in terms of how to mitigate uh, some of the, the threats that we see that are particularly acute in urban centers, such as flooding, such as the creation of heat islands so that you yeah. can uh, increase the tree, fires, forest yeah. fires, tree canopy so that you lower the temperatures. There's the ability to sequester carbon. Uh, to address erosion. So some of those quantitative gains um, I think are, are measurable and yeah. are, are certainly uh, very clear in terms of the, the threats in, in urban centers. Similarly, the uh, kind of, you know, we talk about the dual crisis also in terms of biodiversity loss. And so being able also to act to um, to address the, the threats to species in our urban centers. And so some of the things, for example, to give a concrete example that we're looking at is um, how do you promote the, the, the connectivity of uh, green parcels um, so that species can move freely between them? And so, for example, in, in one space where we have snakes that are a species at risk, they've created like an eco-pass under a major, major highway. Uh, it's just a small tunnel for the snakes to be able to crawl through and to get from one habitat to another. And so these types of opportunities of connecting green spaces that are otherwise disconnected, which promotes um, kind of conservation gains across across many different metrics, I think are, are, are a concrete way in which urban parks can, can act. And the, the last point I'd make is to say there's also the qualitative gains that we can see uh, in terms of exercising leadership in urban areas where, where those are, are hard areas to to kind of address. Um, the context is, is as we've mentioned, uh, you know, challenging from a jurisdictional standpoint and so bringing everybody together to act together is, 
is a great opportunity and there's a lot of opportunity there for like leadership across all of the different partners for them to exercise leadership and for us to learn from from our partners and from an educational standpoint um, that also I think is another qualitative gain is we have the opportunity with urban parks to teach the next generation and the next generation of leaders about the importance of conservation and getting out into nature we know uh, makes people more likely to want to be stewards of nature and to protect nature and so um, urban parks I think are a really great opportunity for those conservation gains to to translate into the next generations. I want to talk a little bit more about that last part. Um, so as people advocate for different types of green spaces in all shapes and sizes, Parks Canada is betting on rewilding large parts of the city, right? So like going from what we know as a park to be, you know, green lush grass to betting on a, a little bit of a, of a wilder scene. And we know this has a lot of benefits. We know, as you mentioned, this brings about conservation. But have you seen resistance in this rewilding? And if or if not, how does education, how does communication play a role in changing the perspectives of what should be a green urban space? So that's a great question. And I would say um, some of this remains to be fully seen because we're we're really still at the early stages yeah. of the program. So um, the vision for the park, how it will contribute to the three core elements that I that I mentioned. Um, what what will the park look like? How will it feel to be in the park? What was the existing state? What were the activities that were allowed uh, previously, if it was a previous green area? And what is proposed now going forward? All those questions are questions that are being explored right as we speak across the different uh, places where we're working. And, and that process will be very important because it, it is not only um, multi-jurisdictional, but it also will be built with the community's input. So at every stage of the way, we are working through local engagement with the communities and in order to hear uh, input from the communities and uh, to, in order to be able to look to finding a, a shared vision for these spaces that uh, really responds to the needs and the interests of Canadians across those multiple communities. And communities, I, I use plural because there, there are so many communities here in the sense that we, um, our Indigenous partners engage with their communities so that they hear from the local First Nations and Métis communities directly. Um, we want to hear from, uh, from the urban communities and those that are directly adjacent to the park. We also want to hear from the accessibility community in terms yeah. of how to make our places um, more accessible and barrier-free in terms of physical access. We want to hear from racialized Canadians and uh, people of, of color and, and how will these places be inclusive and how can they help promote and advance uh, social inclusion. And so, so through our process, which again we're, we're year one into and we, we have a robust and broad engagement across all the sites where we're working so that we can hear from the communities um, as we go and make sure that their vision for the park responds to the objectives of the program but also responds to the vision that, that, that we all collectively want to see in terms of uh, National Urban Parks. I love it and I think I'm going to have to schedule a second interview a year from now so that we can see what are the advancements and how these challenges are evolving. Um, now in your opinion why do cities need large parks? 
I think the benefits are exponential. So the um, I could go on and on about the benefits of creating uh, parks generally, and then large urban parks. Um, of course, just in terms of scale, you can certainly see the benefits from a from a conservation and biodiversity standpoint is we know that uh, a certain scale is needed in order for species to have sufficient yeah. ecosystem and, and space to, to kind of stretch and for plants to equally be able to stretch and grow and for the ecosystems really to be able to thrive, uh, you need a certain scale. And so um, the, the large urban parks uh, allow us to try and tackle some of those threats uh, to, uh, to urban centers from a climate change and biodiversity uh, perspective and species. And they also benefit people through the experience that people have with nature. Um, we know that parks, when, when people go in parks, uh, they feel better um, in terms of their, their mental health, their physical health. The data on that is pretty clear. Um, during the pandemic, there's um, a lot of research that, that came forward in terms of how, how it helped people from a mental health perspective. Uh, we've seen the kind of the anxiety, uh, the, the impacts that green spaces can have on people's levels of anxiety. We've also seen it in terms of the physical health, in terms of uh, diabetes and heart disease. So I think large urban parks um, provide those, those health benefits that then also translate through to the community because uh, they are gathering places where people from all walks of life can gather um, and can recreate together or sit together and enjoy nature, share uh, common experiences. And so in terms of the, um, the inclus inclusivity of parks, where really they can be a space that brings together uh, Canadians from, from all those different communities. I love that. Now, before we wrap up, I would love to know, from your personal and your professional experience, now you've talked a lot about this, but if you had to choose, <laughs> what would you say is the single biggest benefit that a park can provide the people on the planet? single biggest benefit. Um, it's so hard to choose because it's it's all of them combined. Absolutely. It's all my relations. Okay. I will accept that non-answer. <laughs> yeah, we, I know that it is a trick question. It is made to be hard. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, at the end of the day, everybody experiences parks differently, right? And everybody gets a different um, benefit from parks and I think that as you say the, the the combination of that is what makes parks so great now we have unfortunately run out of time but before we leave where can people find more of you more of the work you do more of the work that Parks Canada is doing and where can people get in touch and reach out Yes, so we um, have a website, of course, that we can share after. So uh, the Parks Canada website for National Urban Parks, it will be the best place to kind of get uh, updates on the program and the specific work that we're doing across the, the sites in Canada. And there's also Parks Canada has a, an Instagram and Facebook uh, presence. So uh, check, check those for updates and as we go. Perfect, and I will make sure to add those into the episode notes so that people can reach out, people can find more about the National Urban Parks Program, uh, and people can continue to see how it evolves and how it promotes natural urban spaces. Well, thank you so, so much, Julia, for being here with us. Thank you for having the opportunity to talk to you. 
Um, this has been Pod Parks, and we hope to see you again very soon. Thank you very much. This marks the end of today's episode. Keep up with next week's episode to discover how parks can play a role in combating climate change. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We want to know what you love about the podcast and where we can improve. And if you want to connect with Julia or other excellent park professionals from around the world, visit worldurbanparks.org. And today, before we leave, I want to invite you to schedule a hike or a walk along the wildest nature trail you can find in your city. What's it like? Thank you for listening to Pod Parks by World Urban Parks. Pod Parks is written and hosted by Alice Landin, produced by Vitoria Martin and Luis Roman, sound engineering by Vladimir Yanez. Don't forget to visit worldurbanparks.org and explore the resources our online community has for you. Get out, explore, connect. <laughs>